0: Welcome to the It Is Written podcast. As doubts about God's will arise, the world resorts to feelings and experts. We go to the law and to the testimony of God's word. In today's episode, we're going to do an overview of Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians.
1: When we look at books or letters in the New Testament, it helps us to have an overview of what they're saying. Often that really helps us understand what, what is being taking place. And in First Thessalonians, it's clearly divided into past, present, and future. He starts after the introduction in 1-4 talking about
0: how the gospel came and how they received it. Would
1: you read chapter 1 and verse
0: 5? Because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit. So he talks about how the gospel came. It came in word,
1: obviously, and he mentions the word in verse 6, verse 8, and chapter 2 also. But it came in more than just the word. It came in power in the Holy Spirit. There were signs and wonders that confirmed the word. We read that in Acts 17. It came with full conviction, and it came with models, examples of men who lived what they taught. The authenticity of the gospel is corroborated by the behavior of the messengers. And then he talks about how they
0: received the Word. Would you read verses 6 and 7? Sure. It says, And you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord when, in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Here's how they received it. They became imitators, Paul said, of us
1: and the Lord. That sounds like the wrong order. They should have become imitators of the Lord and then us. But the first ones that they saw were these apostles, were Paul and Silas and Timothy, Paul the Apostle and Silas and Timothy, the believers. And so they first imitated the Christians they saw and knew that led them then to imitate Christ, and then they themselves became examples of the believers. So in chapter 1, Paul talks about how the gospel came and how they received it. In chapter 2, he goes back through that again. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, he talks about how the gospel came to them. And really, he's talking about the approach that he and Silas and Timothy took when they presented the gospel. Really
0: good stuff, really worthy of our imitation. You might read verses 1 and 2. Sure. Chapter 2. Yes. For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition.
1: They knew how the gospel came to them. They were there. Paul, after being mistreated in Philippi, I guess so, beaten with rods on a trumped up charge, then thrown into stocks in the inner prison. I think that might discourage me from preaching very boldly in the next place. But Paul spoke out boldly the gospel of God amid much opposition. He talks about in verse uh, uh, 6 that he didn't seek glory from men. He preached humbly. He, he said in verse 7, he proved to be gentle among them like a nursing mother cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, verse 8, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you become very dear to us. Paul got very close to these brethren. He loved them. He gave himself to them. You know, I, I used to think that maybe if you were trying to work with a church, preach and teach, you should keep your distance, kind of aloofness, like maybe a clinical distance like maybe a doctor would from his patients. But when I read this and studied it, I realized, no, there's supposed to be a closeness. There's not supposed to be a distance. There's right. not supposed to be any aloofness. So it's really encouraging to see the attitude Paul had when he came and then how
0: they received it in 13 to 16. Why don't you read verse 13? This is why we constantly thank God, because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as human message, but as it truly is, the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. They received
1: the gospel as they should, as the word of God. If it's God's word, it deserves the utmost respect and uh, reverence, and that's how they received it. Paul moves from there to talk about the Thessalonians currently. Paul really wanted to come to Thessalonica. He was not able to. Satan hindered him more than once. So he couldn't go himself, but he decided to send Timothy. He couldn't stand it any longer, he says in chapter 3, verse 1. I decided to be left alone in, in Athens, not an easy place to be left alone, to be able to send Timothy back to help them. By the way, Timothy would have been a very young man at that point, speaks really highly of his character, that he would go. And
0: and look at verse 2. What was, what was Timothy supposed to do? It says, And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith. Paul was really concerned for their
1: faith. He'll mention that five times in one through 10. Okay. And concerned to send Timothy back to find out how they were doing and to strengthen and encourage them in their faith. And and Paul was really anxious to know how that had gone. He really cared about these Thessalonians. He was willing to send Timothy and be left alone in Athens just to try to strengthen
0: and help them. So would you read verses six through 10? But now Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news about your faith and love. He reported that you always have good memories of us and that you long to see us as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we were encouraged about you through your faith. For now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you? as we pray very earnestly uh, night and day to see uh, see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith.
1: Okay, so Timothy brought back great news. They're doing great in their faith and their love, which are two of the most important qualities. He was comforted. He said, now we live. (sighs) It's like he'd been holding his breath until Timothy got back. Now he can breathe again. And he says, what thanks can we give to God for all the joy you've given us by your faithfulness? He's so thankful he'd had to leave that church hurriedly, leaving new converts behind, and they're doing well. And Paul thanks God for that. And he continues to pray earnestly, verse 10, that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. They're doing great, but they could be doing better. There are some things still lacking in their faith. Paul mentions that in 3.10, that he prays in verses 11 to 13. He prays about their love In verse 12, he prays about their holiness in verse 13 and about the coming of Jesus in verse 13. And those happen to be the next three topics he deals with in the letter. I think these were some of the things lacking in their faith. He talks about holiness in chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, about their love in verses 9 through 12. And starting in verse 13 and going on to part of chapter 5, he talks about the coming of the Lord. So when it comes to the holiness, he sees holiness in abstaining from sexual immorality chapter 4 verse 3 and he's very very strong in what he says god will punish those who are sexually immoral if you reject this you're not rejecting man but the god who gives his holy spirit to you he expects holy behavior and that means purity sexual purity so he's very powerful in what he says about that then he talks about the love of the brethren And he says, you need to excel still more and make sure you work to provide for yourself. Evidently, there were brethren in Thessalonica freeloading on the generosity of the Christians there. And that was not acting in love. Now, those who really needed help certainly should receive it. But people who just didn't want to work and wanted to enjoy the generosity of brethren, that was not a loving action. And so Paul encourages that. And then starting in verse 13, he talks about the second coming. And some of them apparently were worried about their brethren who'd already died, fallen asleep, so to speak, that maybe they'd miss out. Well, that's not going to be the way it is. When Jesus comes back, he will raise their bodies from the tomb and and catch up the living, and they'll together experience the Lord and be with him forever. We don't know when that's going to happen, chapter 5, but we should always be prepared and ready. And then the very end of the book, verses 12 to 28, just talks about some random things that he wanted to say before he quit. But it's really interesting just to see the overall pattern of a book like this, how the gospel came and how they received it in verse chapter 1 through 216, the present situation, Timothy's visit, the report he gave in chapter 3, and then some things that were lacking in their faith, their holiness, their love and their understanding of the second coming of Christ. And so that kind of presents the whole picture of what Paul said to them in in five chapters and great lessons, great applications for us.
0: Thank you for listening to the It Is Written podcast. If you have any questions or comments that you would like to share with us, feel free to send Gary an email at garyfisher1063 at gmail.com. We hope you have a blessed day.